And we've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are, what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And that Bunker Hill, that was Americans. And that Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, that was Americans. And that Iwo Jima raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And that Porkchop Hill, that was Americans. Quezon, that was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the sign of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud and remember who we are, that we are Americans. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, freedom will survive Not only survive, but thrive. So guys, it's time to put on a pack. Time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hands. And our fight is not for us, for all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Cut the crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, and the gender-confused, emotional, socialist, snowflake crowd? Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic news and politically correct views, which constipate your consciousness with stinking thinking. Your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer, is known for calling out politicians and telling them to cut the crap. You've seen him on virtually every television network and listened to him on Coast to Coast Radio. And now, he's here to help you learn to fight for America. Culture, race, and American politics, they all have one thing in common. They all need to cut the crap. Now, here's your host, Joe Von Hutton Pulitzer. Hey there, folks. Welcome aboard Cut the Crap. I know, weird name for a program, C-R-A-P. Well, it stands for culture, race, and American politics, because I believe when you mix culture, race, and American politics in one handbasket, everything goes to hell in a handbasket. We're going to talk about, I had never heard about this, I'm telling you. When I saw this, I was like, what? Did you know there's such a thing as climate psychology? Yes, climate psychology. I'm wondering, is this uh, eco-friendly or eco-nonsense? Um, and we're going to analyze it today. First, let me set a few things for you. I am 100% for the environment. I'm 100% for not wasting resources. I'm 100% for 
not using chemicals in crops. I'm 100% for getting back and making the land work right. Who wouldn't be? I'm 100% for not wasting water. In fact, I don't have to be told to not waste water. In fact, every time I brush my teeth every single morning and evening when I turn on the faucet, my brain goes, don't leave the water running. I'm already wired this way. And I think many of you are wired this way as well. You don't need the government to tell you to do it. Common sense adulthood does it. However, there is this brand new discipline in business supported by the American Psychological Association, and you can become a climate psychologist. Yeah, you can have a career in climate and environmental psychology. It's kind of one of those new things like a career in transcend psychology or non-binary psychology. You understand all industries evolve. Hey, no big deal. Business is business. But today we're going to look at one of these groups. It's an association of climate psychologists talking about climate anxiety to sustainable client client ac uh, action. We are, we are the climate psychologist. Become and mind and planet school or business. I'm not sure what they're trying to say here, but they're trying to say to corp to incorporate it into every part of your life. So we're going to we're going to analyze this. Did you see the congressional hearing on aliens by the way? Fear drives a lot, right? You see our government had a presentation on aliens. Let's start there. Here's some testimony according to aliens. If you'll indulge me, I'd like to read two pages from advice from the extraterrestrials. Yes, it's true that we have been in contact with your government and heads of power. It is also true that we have been in con it is also true that agreements have been made and kept secret from your people. It is also true that in the past, some of your people have lost their lives or have been badly hurt to protect the secret. Our hands had no part in this. We contacted your leaders because your planet is in grave trouble. Your leaders said the vast majority of your population wasn't ready for anything like us yet. So we made time agreements with your leaders as to when your people would be made aware of our presence. Your air, your water are contaminated. Your forests, jungles, trees and plant life are dying. There are several breaks in your food chain. You have an overwhelming amount of nuclear and biological weapons, which include nuclear and biological contamination. Your planet is overpopulated. Warning, it is almost to the point of being too late, unless your people act. There are better ways of deriving energy and food needs without causing your planet any damage. Those in power are aware of this and have the capability of putting these methods into worldwide use. Those in power view it as a military and security threat. That upset me. 
You mean to tell me that the people in power have the ability to save and better the planet, and they aren't doing it? Amnesty. What do you mean? Complete amnesty to those in power, governments and leaders who have been suppressing the truth, that they can't be held liable for any past wrong deeds. It is the only way these leaders can come forward with the truth. It is necessary that you do this in order to work together and survive. Okay, we're supposed to give our leaders amnesty. Okay. Um, it's getting fearful out there. And PBS has just rolled out uh, this. <laughs> Take a listen. Voices of Americans and how climate change is affecting their feelings. Leslie Davenport is a climate psychology therapist. She teaches at the California Institute of Integral Studies and is author of Emotional Resiliency in the Era of Climate Change. Leslie, when does healthy concern about the planet, about climate change, become this sort of climate anxiety? Well, from the emerging field of climate psychology, one thing that's really important to understand is we view distress, upset, sadness, grief, anger about climate change to be a really reasonable, even healthy reaction. Because it's built into us as people that if we feel risks, threats, experience losses, there's gonna be upset. So it's really important to acknowledge that if you're feeling that on any level of intensity, it really means you're paying attention, you care, you're empathetic to what's happening to our world. But so we have it, did you catch that? We have to pay attention to climate change because it signifies we care, we're enlightened, um, we care about other people. So how much of this is social signaling, right? Right. Anyway, we're going to analyze in today's program, and you'll be able to follow along. But here's what I want you to do, whether you're watching me or whether you're out there driving, listening to 93.3 Real Talk, I want to let you know, these are the things that we should analyze I want you to take everything we've talked about in politics, and I want you to listen today as we unpack this new science, and listen to it, what are the mechanisms by which they are going to save us? And this new field of climate psychology, is it eco-anxiety, or is it total absolute echo nonsense. Share this program. You're going to learn a lot today. Hang tight, folks. I will be right back right after this brief message. Be right back. Share this right now. See, I told you learning how to tell the world to cut the crap would make you feel great. There's more to come. Jovan will be right back. You want to know what stinks? When you bought this brand, or maybe you bought this brand, 
You personally funded Black Lives Matter. Yes, you. Y-O-U. When you bought these products, your hard-earned money helped fund BLM. We think it stinks, too. Woke companies took your money and fund the destruction of America with things like critical race theory, Marxism, and more. But wait, it does get worse. Hundreds of name brands and all the big box stores use your money to fund the woke America-hating agenda. It's time for you to put an end to this insanity fight back. We need to make the woke go broke. If we work together, we can save America from socialism. Just click. One simple click changes everything. Make woke go broke dot click. Yes, make woke go broke dot click. Let's save America, folks. Continue to fight back and take back our country by learning how to tell the politically correct to cut the crap. Here's Jovan. Okay, folks, I'm I'm unpacking this new discipline of climate psychology. And I'm trying to ascertain, give you the choice to make a decision, right? echo anxiety or is it echo nonsense i want to set a few little standards for you what what tipped me off to this is i came across a climate psychologist and i was thinking what the hell is a climate psychologist and of course now i've i've kind of set you up on that but i want i want to give you a few things see i played that first clip which yes you probably shook your head he was rereading a letter Yes, a letter that an alien sent the author. A letter that the alien sent the author. I don't know. I thought he would have done a mind meld, right? But evidently the alien decided to send a letter. Now, let's just unpack that just for a second. When we think in terms of dastardly deeds and governments, and we think in terms of the selected, not elected crap we have going on right now, right? And we know that the government's trying to get rid of God. We can probably agree on that. We know the government's trying to blow away no rules. I think we can agree on that. And we know the government's trying to control everything. I think we can agree on that. And I think we can agree that anytime the government wants something done, they use fear to sell it, and then they become the new religion. And I think you can agree that, well, you know, this climate stuff has become the new religion. But I think it's interesting that even our own government wanted that letter from an alien read. Now, if you think about that for a moment, 
Because I have always said one of the reasons government would not acknowledge the existence of extraterrestrials. Remember, we we embrace illegal aliens, but if they're an extraterrestrial a, uh, alien, some say they keep it right quiet. Now, I've always said one of the big conflicts with men, mankind, governments talking about beings greater than ourselves is it does a few things. The church doesn't want it because they don't want anything higher than the church. You can understand that. The government doesn't want it because they don't want anything higher than the government, because people will say, wait a minute, there's aliens smarter than us, to hell with government, to hell with church, they're the ones, get it? And it would kind of throw everything off kilter. But I think with this government trying to tell us that aliens said, hey, you got to do it or your planet's going to die, and maybe with government wanting to get rid of people, soil and grain, we need to get rid of people, you would think that the government If there really was a letter from an alien, if it really was do or die, and if it really was from outside aliens smarter than us, we've been watching, we're trying to take care of you. You think this government in one fell swoop, boom, earth everything, one world government would follow the Star Trekian lead and acknowledge terrestrials and boom, all of a sudden they get rid of God, they get rid of everything and completely get to rewrite the rules of There is something bigger than us. We're a small speck. We go to one world government. We join the Federation. So you have to ask yourself, why are they not dealing that card? And it's because they're not dealing that card because it's, in my opinion, horse hockey. Now, I totally believe in extraterrestrials, period. Totally believe in it. But when... Do I believe that an extraterrestrial sat down and wrote a letter to our government and said, do this, do this, do this, save the people, and by the way, how you fund it is to charge for our carbon tax? No. (laughs) I do not. (laughs) I just don't. I just don't at all. Right? And uh, so we're unpacking this. I'm going to show you what they're, they're teaching. And you're right. See, they're trying to bring in the new world order, right? Faster than anything and everything. And that would be one of the things that would accelerate it, that would completely accelerate it. And yes, just just so you have a checkup from the neck up from me, when it comes to our planet, what I personally believe in my exploration around the world, because I've been able to work in that capacity around the world in exploration, if you ever watched the movie Mad Max, and you saw the little kids in Australia living in that little pool in the desert where they had water, and they would tell the stories of you know, ancient beings or whatever, they were talking about their families before a big disaster— I think we're Mad Max's children. We don't have to get into it right now. I'll do a special on it one day and we can talk about it. But we're the remnants. Whether we like it or not, we're the remnants. And you can come really short in history and think about, meaning in long-term, billions and billions of of history. And you can think of just about the Great Deluge and uh, uh, Noah's Flood. We are the remnants. Whether we like it or not, we're the remnants. And I do believe there's been much smarter than us, much more connected than us, here before us, and somehow we lost him. And by the way, the Bible actually talks about that. But here we are right now. Is the planet dying? And if you've been watching on 
your news and weather, you know, when they uh, run the weather now, if you've ever watched it on TV, that now on the big screens behind them, as they're putting up, talking about heat, they'll run fire graphics. Remember, they just made a subtle change. I don't know if you caught it. They're, they are going to start not talking about climate change or global warming so much. They've decided to kind of set down the global war, uh, warming. And they've decided very subtly they are going to now call it, ready for this, true thing, global boiling. We've moved from global warming, and now they're going to be teaching in schools global boiling. There's a bright side. It means everybody can boil an egg. You remember there used to be people so dumb at cooking they couldn't even boil an egg. Now everybody can boil an egg. Just set it outside. Anyway, they're about to go on a full frontal attack because now they're saying, as all of this gets set up, I'm, I'm giving you the pieces here. The next lockdown that they are proposing is going to be because we must lock down to protect the climate. Yes, whether you like it or not, climate lockdowns are coming. And of course, if people are worried about it, hey, then you're going to have anxiety. Hey, you're going to panic and you're going to freak out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Everything needs a panic. Everything needs fear to sell it. It's the way it is. So when I come back and I get into the long segment, I'm going to show you some of the stuff that is said, sold, and promoted at these climate events, training people. You're going to want to watch it. We'll decode it. Hang tight. Share this. Be right back. Hang tight. Jovan will be right back. Would you ever eat government vaccines, feed your family hormones or antibiotics? Never ever do that to your family. So why buy beef the same way you've always bought beef? You're buying meat glue bonded, hormone filled, antibiotic riddled grocery store meat. Say no to supermarket medicated Franken meats and say hello to nevereverbeef.club. Always 100% USDA prime or high choice. That's restaurant grade. Never ever is not ever just select beef or even standard or ungraded store branded meat. It's simply the very best cut and tasting steak you have ever had. We have never ever given our herd hormones, antibiotics, or even mRNA vaccines. Never ever. Pure blood genetics. We've raised our herds this way for over 30 generations. They simply have never, ever had antibiotics, hormones, or killer vaccines. Grass-fed the way nature intended in almost half a million acres of high-pasture environments. Finished off with non-modified feed crops, we grow ourselves. We even own our own 210,000-square-foot processing plant. And as an added bonus for our Never Ever Beef Dot Club members, we age our steaks in our state-of-the-art 780,000 cubic foot aging facility. Only top restaurants do that. 
so they can charge you $100 or more for a little bitty steak. We age our meat because we want you to have the very best restaurant-quality USDA prime or high-choice pure blood purebred beef at a price your family can afford in these financially challenging times. Sure, you can keep paying the price for supermarket cheap, standard, and ungraded store meat brands if you love feeding your family frankenmeat. So never, ever settle for less. Join our NeverEverBeef.club. Take control of your health and your family food supply right now. Join NeverEverBeef.club. We are real people with real families just like you. So we personally customize your order right over the phone. Now that's customer service. And there is absolutely no obligation when we call. You decide what bundle is best for your needs. No hormones, antibiotics, or even mRNA vaccines. Never had them and never ever will. Never ever cut corners on your food supply or family's health. Join NeverEverBeef.club now. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, CEO of MyPillow. Retailers, shopping channels, and now even banks have tried to cancel myself and MyPillow. During these times, your support has meant everything to us. So my employees and I want to personally thank each and every one of you by passing the savings directly on to you. We're selling the best products ever for the best prices ever. For example, we have my towels with proprietary technology, which makes them soft and absorbent. Towels that work, what a concept. They're made with USA cotton and come in a variety of awesome colors. My six-piece towel set is regularly $109.99, now just $39.99 with your promo code. So go to MyPillow.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive this exclusive offer. If you do it right now, I'm going to include a free gift with your purchase. Thank you and God bless. Jovan empowers the people and corrupt politicians do not want the people knowing the truth. Now, let's get back to it. Okay, guys, um, if you've never tuned into my program before, I'm a talk radio program that you get to watch on video as I do it. Turn on the cameras. This is a great way for me to communicate with you, but I, I'm a talk radio program. And so that's why when you watch me on video, there are commercials. It's so I can do my radio and do my podcast and everything all at the same time, uh, because I'll do about five hours a day. But if I don't multitask where I'm doing both products at once, I just have no time of the day to do it. Uh, and so this is the time when my stations go to news, weather, and sports breaks. Yes, it's terrestrial radio, traditional radio, right? And so it's when they break and go to news, weather, and sports that I get a little bit more time with you. All of this harks back to this type of force. Here you go. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. So you you know these guys forcing behaviors, you know the government forcing behaviors, and they all work off of fear hot buttons. It's continual fear hot buttons. 
You're going to, are you going to be a climate racist, a climate denier, an election denier, a trans denier? Yes, I, I deny that ugly vagina is a weenie. I deny that weenie is an ugly vagina. I mean, there's a lot of things you deny, but if you deny it, right, with all of this stuff they're putting out there, they say you're a denier. Well, we're all going to deny it. But here's one thing I really deny that I don't want to happen to any of us. Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're going we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Okay. So let me explain a few things to you. You do understand I live in the world of patents. I do 100 plus patents a year. I have patents in all 190 countries. I want you to understand just because somebody patents something, that doesn't mean they can do it. I, I just need you to understand that, okay? Just because somebody patents something doesn't mean that it can be done. The, the rule of a patent is not that it has to be executable. It has to be thinkable. Big difference. And anytime you think you're on a big discovery, right? Anytime you think you're on a big discovery, okay, you patent it. So I want to set a few things out there that people tend to talk about when we talk about all of this. Because you need to understand just a few little concepts of patents. When a patent is granted, yes, you're protected by the government. And you can sue others for infringing on your patent. But by granting the patent itself, right, it becomes known. And that is the formula. You follow me? Two of the best protected, three actually, three of the best protected formulas in the world to do something unique are what? Do you know what those are? The formula for Coca-Cola, the formula seasoning for Kentucky Fried Chicken, and the formula seasoning for Chick-fil-A. Now, when you have something really super sauce, secret, special, you don't patent it. You keep your mouth shut about it. And you copyright the formula and you stick it away in a safe. So if you had to fight, it's all kept secret, right? And it's only when it goes to court and the court can say, hey, this is a trade secret, so we can't even release it in court, but we can debate it. So I want you to understand in some of these patents about modifying the environment or, or the, the weather, even though things are patented, doesn't mean you can do it. And by the way, let's just use logical thinking. If people could be on a, on a large scale, modifying the weather to make it rain in a big way, then people all over the place would be doing it because there's both good people and bad people. And they would tell the patent holders, fuck you, I'm making it rain. It's for mankind. Do you understand how it works? It's a, it's a two-edged sword there, right? So if you could manipulate the weather truly and make it rain, you understand? People on a very large scale would do it. I'll just give you a, a brand new example or an example you can understand this. 
If you could really, really, really control the weather dependably and make it rain dependably, you would go to someplace like Africa. You'd lock up the fucking country under all kinds of agreements. You'd lock up all kinds of useless land that is desert all around the world. You'd fucking lock it up. And you have to understand that Africa is a mineral, very mineral with wealthy country, gold, gemstones, all over the place. And you'd get all that desert stuff locked up. And once you got it locked up, you would make it rain, baby. And you know why you'd make it rain? Because you transform that land and you'd become the breadbasket for the world and say, fuck all these other people. Look at all the food we got. That is the nature of greed. And that is the nature of man. But sometimes you have to logically look at this stuff from an execution standpoint. And so even though, right, even though there are patents about things, doesn't mean you're actually looking at what you think it does, just like the patents about COVID-19. There's a reason there's a 19 on the end of it. And what is that reason? Well, because 19th iteration and the year. So you are going to find patents that have to do with bird flu and all that other stuff, because that's how the competition space is when it comes up to, right? When it comes up to um, developing test or whatever. The money's in the test. The money's in the shots. The money's in all of it. You just got to understand how it happens, right? You got to logically think through this. Also, when it comes to rain and these patents and all the stuff people talk about, because I see a lot of people chattering about chemtrails and all this other stuff, I want you to understand if they eliminate, if they eliminate, okay, um, people to a great extreme, you understand there's nobody to sell to. So very few of these people are just great, wonderful opportunists to want to wipe out people because the thing that drives people is greed, right? On the big scale. And if they really wanted to control everything, just think about it for a moment. They would walk into a mountain with 50,000 of their friends, lock themselves in, implement weather, disease, disaster, fucking wipe it out all, and then come back out and then repopulate it in their image. So sometimes you kind of have to think about this. Do I think the government tests on us nonstop? Sure, the government tests on us nonstop. Absolutely, they test on it nonstop. Did you know that as soon as they got rid of sulfur additives in diesel and could eliminate the sulfur content in diesel, that our planet, our planet felt it because diesel is used in shipping and trucking and the sulfur that gets emitted actually creates what's called reflective, reflective clouds. You see it in sulfur and fuels and it will leave a cloud trail. And that actually 
reflects away heat. So there's all different things that happen. And I, some people are saying, look, I'll just do this. Look, me seven, 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 seven. So me sevens, seven, sevens says they're hoping ro robots will do the dirty shit. Okay, great. Let's just take that one for a moment. To get to robots, you need manufacturing. To get to manufacturing, you need min minerals. To get to manufacturing and minerals, you need people manufacturing plants to manufacture them. Right? Once you get to minerals, manufacturing, and let's say you get robots, you don't just shut it off right there because you got to run it long enough that you can understand you can make the robots run long enough. And that's a power supply issue. So you don't just build a robot to replace mankind and go, okay, we're done, boom, and shut it all off. It's not the way it works. You can't do it because you have to account for execution and longevity and can you power supply it, et cetera. So it just, and I'm, I'm doing this for an adjustment because if you can understand the linear thinking of invention, which is my life, then some of these fears, which is what we're talking about today, some of these fears can come down and you can look at it logically. So even if a mad scientist today could do a robot and AI, all of that still takes a lot of manufacturing until you get to that point and a lot of time of deployment, mass, mass, mass deployment and dependability and usability and infinite power supply before you can ever do one thing that's called implement it at scale. That's it. Implement it at scale. Yes, they can make robot dogs that can be attack dogs. But right now, behind those attack dogs are a guy and an operator telling them what to do that you never see on camera. And behind that guy operating are all these systems engineers making sure everything's okay. And that dog will do its fancy shit for about three minutes. You've seen the robot dogs. So it basically means wherever they're deployed, doesn't matter wherever they're deployed, run around in circles and get away from them in three minutes. It's over because they fall over with no power. So many of the things I want to do for you in trying to make you the smartest person in the room is to understand implementation, linear thinking, and implementation at scale. It doesn't matter if we can do it. We, it, it, it and, and the, the best proof I can give you of this, the best proof I can give you of this is your automobile tire from day one from day one of automobiles we have been able to make indestructible car tires now when i say indestructible i'm not talking about from the environment but indestructible car tires and it's never been executed upon why there's no money in it if you just buy it once. So you have to under understand the laws of consumption. 
of what goes on in our society and what happens in our society. Right now, we could provide incredible power, but we don't because there's no money in it. And so in order to have money, and I'm going to tell you one quick story before I get back to my show, in order to have money in it, you got to have people that have money and make money. You understand that, right? And without commerce, nothing works. You understand that too. Without commerce, nothing works. So that little bitty thing of money is what makes everything go round. Now, here's the moral of the story when you understand this, because I want to give you a perspective, because you're living right now the absolute result in society of a coup and assassinations and control, and you don't even know it. And so I'm going to go back in time just for a little bit. Do you remember the World's Fair in New York? You probably know it from the movie Men in Black. And they have those little saucer-looking things up there. Well, when they had the real big world's fair, and they were bringing in all the great inventions from the world for everybody to look at, one of the people that the United States brought to this great world fair was a man by the name of Rudy Diesel. Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Now, Rudy Diesel, the reason you know the last name Rudy Diesel is because it's Vin Diesel's great-great-grandfather. No, I'm lying. The reason you know Diesel is because that was his name. And it's why we have diesel fuels today. Now, Rudy Diesel, what he did is he realized that he could squeeze the oil out of corn or soybeans, and he could squeeze it. And it's basically just like oil out of the ground. Oil had, our oil had already come into favor, and we're really starting to dig for oil. We saved the whales because we got oil. So we stopped using whale oil, and we started using oil from the ground. Everybody told uh, uh, Drake who discovered how to drill for oil. You're fucking ignorant. Nobody will use it. You're stupid. It's a joke. Well, what happened? The whole fucking world moved to oil. He was right. They always called the original inventors whack jobs. So Rudy Diesel figured out how to expel oil from vegetable, you know, from plants. And so he developed an engine that would run off of that oil. Get it? And so they brought him to the United States. They put him on a ship. They brought him to the United States. And he was showing his engine that could take pressed oil from vegetable products, from seed crops, and could run, and he could mechanize things. Remember, a lot of stuff worked off steam then. But steam was very dangerous because steam, all this immense pressure, it has to build huge pressure to make the wheels turn, make the wheels go round and till the soil. But it did technically run off of water. We can still do that today. 
But see, back then, they hadn't really perfected metals as much as they could. And yes, they would use coal. They would fire and boil the water. And they could do everything. They steamed ships. That's how trains run. That's how tractors run. All on steam. But the metals, they weren't very good at making at. And all of a sudden, they'd get a crack. And these fucking things would just blow. Boom. And they'd take everybody with them. And if they didn't kill you by ejecting the pop pop rivets and, and sending the bolts through your head, they killed you because you were instantly parboiled. You were edible in a second, right? So that's steam. So Rudy says, I can press oil from seeds and it's different and it's better. So all of a sudden he's about to change everything. And this is the same time they were started to take petroleum out of the ground and realize, holy shit, we can do this. So they brought Rudy to the Americas to show off his invention. Okay. And Rudy created the engine for farmers and Rudy was right. See, back then, we were an agrarian society, age of agrarian, yeah, not Aquarius, agrarian, farmers. And he basically said, we're growing so fast and we have so many people, the people that really need to make a lot of money are our farmers because they grow everything for us. So I've invented a way for them to have dependable machinery and they grow their own fuel. And so he only cared about the engine. That's it. So he had two processes. Here's how you extract the oil from the plants, which you now know as cooking oil and all the shit oils you put on your foods, a direct result of him. And the other part of it is diesel engines. So they brought them to America and they told them, roadie, roadie, roadie. Look, buddy, the money's not in the machine. Fuck no. What you've got here, Rudy, is a killer. The money's in selling people the oil. And the guys who were making the play for oil from the ground didn't want the com competition of oil from plants. And so what they did is tried to convince Rudy to partner with them and they would, they could still have oil from plants, but they would blend it with petroleum. And so it'd be part vegetable oil and part petroleum, but petroleum could do the same thing. And Rudy went into his bag of tricks and pulled out his winch and, and started going through his bag of tricks and all of a sudden said, sorry, I'm not doing that shit. Mine's for the people, mine's for the farmers. And so Rudy was headed back home. And on that transatlantic voyage back home, Rudy accidentally fell off the ship. I'm not on the radio. And yes, I said shit. I'm not on the radio at the moment. And so what happened is he fell overboard. And Rudy Diesel was forever gone. And they introduced petroleum oil. They brought back the diesel engine, but it ran on petroleum diesel. Now, here's the rig about diesel. 
diesel takes really no processing plants. You can literally almost run oil out of the ground, which is technically diesel. You don't have to do anything to it. But see, it's all this refined gas that requires the plants and secret formulas and all this stuff. Do you follow what I'm saying? Okay. So the reason I tell you that is because of huge extortion, government control, greedy-ass politicians. We have all already been controlled. Every one of us. And we're still here. Because it takes us to make it work. Because you got to have people to sell shit to. In fact, every you're right. Every engine in the world should have been diesel. Now, if you're a logical thinker in the story I just told you, what two engines do we still have out there that can control and run everything? Food oil and water. Food oil and water. But we don't run engines on those because we run the internal combustible engines. I'm going to share with you one thing, and then I'm going to go back to the program. Hang on. So I want you to understand, and that's the only reason I even tell you this story. It is because we are the key to the system. We are the key to the system, and we always have been. Okay, and we always have been, and we always will be the key to the system. Do you understand what I'm saying? And you've got to understand that. And if you understand we are the key, then what you understand is you can put a lot of the fears in your pocket and you forget about them. And you try not to let the government control your brain. Because if they can control your brain, you basically begin thinking, oh, crap. Right? Oh, crap. Uh, We're not going to make it. And so that's why I even bother telling you this story. I'm going to share with you one little bitty BS tag. I'm putting it in right here across all the platforms. It's an article I did, a training I did is, and it's called, Why Does My Truck Smell Like French Fries? And that's why our military have a really interesting thing called multi-fuel trucks. Because they can run on any level of petrol, and they can run on any level of oil, which means if they were invading, they could go to the local Chinese restaurant, filter the crap out of the fryer, pull it into the military equipment, and it will run. That's why I sent you that link. Okay? At the end of the day, In everything we're fighting, we're it. 
And that's why I even decided to do this topic. I'm going to get back to the program is because I'm about to show you how they do it. And once you become very clear and you start recognizing their bullshit, you learn a few things. You learn that stay strong as a human. You're the real key. And the second part of it is if you pay attention to the bullshit, just like I told you Rudy's story, you realize, holy fuck, if you wanted to, if you wanted to, you could make your car run on vegetable oil. You could grow your own screwing crops, put around, have your own farm, your own energy, your own generators and everything else. And if they really wanted to solve it for the fucking environment, we'd all go diesel, it'd be from crops. And we, we would go back to steam power because now we can make metals that are impenetrable. That kind of keeps the boilers from blowing up, don't you think? Therefore, we're the key. It's all about consumption. All about consumption. Yes, would they eradicate people? Sure. Sure. But remember, remember, when you have cable bills, when you have electric bills, when you have water bills, when you have oil bills, when you have fuel bills, you're connected to the system and paying them. Always. They have you for life. And we're all trapped in this system because we're all dependent on it. Anyway, talking about force. Well, behaviors are going to have to change. And this is one thing we're going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors. And at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. And so they're forcing behaviors. And one of the ways you can break free from that system is if you have a retirement account, please pay attention. And yes, I've shared the diesel story before. It never gets old. It's a lesson in what we're going through. And that's why I always say you got to know history. If you have a 401k, an IRA or a retirement account, they are using your money to kill us because they control everything. You can't invest that money yourself. You can't. They won't let you. You know it. And as bad as this system is in your retirement, you've probably lost a third of it. That's like paying for 30 years into your retirement. And one whole decade of those payments have vaporized. There is one exit in that. I'm not telling you to buy gold or silver. I'm telling you to get yourself educated. That's why I do this with Gold Co. You can do one thing, you can feel a little bit better, and then you can make up your own damn mind instead of sitting on your ass. Go to jovanlovesgold.com, jovanlovesgold.com. Fill out the form, it's free. Get the retirement kit that teaches you everything you need to know about gold and silver, and if you have a retirement account, why you should at least consider it. I don't give a rat's ass if you go buy some gold and silver. Because you're an adult. I can't make you do anything. I'm not the government. I just want you to feed your brain. So would you please consider going to jovanlovesgold.com if you have a retirement account, pension, 401k, IRA, whatever the hell you have or part of, and get your brain fed. And then, and then, 
you'll at least know what you should do instead of sitting there going, fuck, 30% of my retirement money's gone. Damn, government, you could have stopped it. Okay, now we're going to go back to our little environmental story. Here's the eyes I want you to, when I give you this guy's speech, we're going to kind of decode it. I want you to forget the talk, talk, well, they're talking about the environment. I want you to, can you find the keywords and the buzzwords that the government's using on you and everybody else to force all of us into this new climate system? That's how I want you to listen. Let's go back. Just how far is too far, folks? Is it when they show up your door with weapons? Open your eyes, folks. Look, they're burning our cities. They're poisoning our water supplies. They're even poisoning our bodies. Is this a coincidence or is it planned? Thousands of cattle just dropped dead. Tens of millions of chickens in our food supply just need to be destroyed. Is it a coincidence or is it planned? Millions of illegals invading our borders? Is it a coincidence or is it planned? This is what passes for a teacher. This is what passes for global news. Wait a minute, read that. Transgender woman posts sobbing selfie in JFK bathroom after claiming female TSA agent punched her testicles and made her hurt. What the frick, folks? This is what passes for a world leader. This is what passes for brave lawmakers. This is a grade school classroom. Is it a coincidence or planned? These are somebody's children. This is what they're doing to our children. This is the plan for our future. Folks, what in the hell are you waiting on? You either raise a finger to save our country, or you might as well give our country the finger. It's as simple as a click. Do it and activate now. Okay, folks, we're back. I'm talking about this new discipline of psychology called climate psychology. And they have this definition, this uh, procedure, this, uh, what is it, a disease state, whatever you want to call it, echo anxiety. I actually think it's echo nonsense. I grew up in families, and I still have families. My families are involved in farming and ranching. Think of farming as plants. Think of ranching as meats. Okay, farming and ranching. And America was always about farming and ranching. Unfortunately, we only have about 1% of America still doing that because we've been disconnected. Remember, they disconnected us from the farms. And what they do? They got us addicted to packaged foods. And where are we, right? And as they got us disconnected from farms, who moved in and took over the farms and consolidated them? The government. You're right. That's how the plan works. But see, growing up in farming and ranching, you know that the weather does what? It's unpredictable and it changes. And so what happens when you understand the weather is unpredictable and it changes, you begin to learn to be able to take care of yourself. And so families would have, right? canned foods back, preserves back, all kinds of food, seeds stored, et cetera, et cetera. Why? Because you know little tough times are going to come. But see, when you don't have that anymore, we don't can, we don't preserve, we don't do that. You can't feed yourself. And then all of a sudden you need the government. You understand it's all being on the big old tit of the government. It's all designed to make you on the big old tit on the government. And all of a sudden start people start harshing for all that chemically food and everything. 
when I go out and I look at land, because I am a land collector, the first thing I look at is where's the water and how can I impound the water? I look at the lay of the land and how can I throw up a dam or whatever with the lay of the land and can I get back hundreds of millions of water that just runs off my property? Why? Because if you have a drought, you water from your ponds. Now, what I told you about is man doing solutions, mankind using their brain and providing solutions. The government doesn't want that. So hang on one second. Now, I'm going to show you a speech and see if you can pick up what the government wants you to do or feel. Okay, that's the key. What does the government want you to do or feel? Thank you so much, Martina. Um, I've got some slides. Oh, they're here already. That's fantastically correct. Thank you. I have the honor of setting the scene today in this conversation regarding eco-anxiety and also to then hand the mic over to three people in Megan, Britt and Clover who are doing, frankly, extraordinary and humbling. I'm going to hand it over to Megan, Britt, and Clover, this guy's been trained at Oxford. Nice looking fellow, right? But he's this organization that is climate psychology. He's the leading climate psychology. He's at the Paris Accord, and he's speaking about what we need to do to save ourselves. And because if you don't eat your pudding, you can't eat your meat. If you don't eat your meat, you don't get your pudding. I don't know. I just want to get rid of meat. If you don't eat your vegetables, you can't have your that anyway things. And I think it's fair to say that all of us are doing these things, not despite eco-anxiety, but alongside it. And my hope is that you'll come away from today's session with two things. Firstly, a better and deeper understanding of eco-anxiety and what it is. And secondly, a bit of more of an idea and a sense of, in the climate work that I know in the forum we are here, that you're all doing already how to make that truly sustainable. And what we mean by that is action that is sustainable for the planet, but yourselves as well. And I'm gonna start off by just a quick show of hands. And I warn you, I'm a psychologist, so I'm very comfortable asking how you feel, okay? Has climate change... Oh my God, how do you feel? Remember the earlier part? We've got to deal with how people feel. It's all about feelings. Oh. The climate crisis made you feel any of the following. And as I read them out, if, if, if it's a yes, just raise your hand. Afraid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Motivated. Good. Angry. Helpless. Let me ask the question. If you're watching what's going on with the meteorologist, do you feel fearful? You do. You need a climate psychologist. If you're watching all this stuff going on about the environment and everything's dying and we're not fixing it and we're taking our children's future, do you feel fearful? You need a climate psychologist. Are you watching it all? Do you feel depressed? Yes. You understand the role the media plays? 
Guilty. Optimistic. <laughs> Uninterested. I'm very glad to see so many hands going down at the end there. So what we can already start to say is that when we're talking about eco-anxiety, we're actually talking about so much more than anxiety. And here's what happened when, we, when a group of young people were asked the same question. And I think... Who did you ask? Oh, that's right. Your new career did not ask farmers or any of us. What you did ask, though, what you did ask is you asked young people who don't know anything about farming and have grown up in the fear of the media. This is a testament to this. I mean, this is three years old now. Actually, in the past few years, these numbers will all have increased uh, dramatically since then. But it paints a very similar picture, is high levels of fear, high levels of motivation, and other emotions alongside all of these. So we need high level of fear, and if we can create a high level of fear, then we get high level of motivation. How can I apply this? If you walk outside and see your family and you breathe on them, you may kill them. Buy this mask, stay away, stay home, take this shot, and you'll feel good and you'll be better. Get it yet? So our job is to work out how to harness all of these strong emotions, be they unpleasant to experience, pleasant to experience, whenever we interact with the climate crisis. Your job is to harness these emotions? Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought your job was to ease these emotions. You harness a horse to force the horse to plow the field because you're using them as a beast of burden. You brush the horse, feed the horse, and take care of the horse to ease its life and, and have the horse feel real good about itself. Wait a minute. You kind of said two different things there. Crisis. I love coming to events like this because invariably I'll be asked, either in a Q&A or, or somewhere in, in the halls, climate psychologist, what on earth is a climate psychologist? And I love that question, I welcome that question, because what it does is it gives us a space to talk about the psychological dimensions of the climate crisis. My origin story was that I, so I was working, I was working in Oxford. In fact, my PhD supervisor was on this stage 45 minutes ago talking about her work in Oxford in trauma. It was incredible seeing her talk about this. So we were working uh, with staff groups, and, you know, paramedics, first responders, on burnout, compassion, fatigue, and work-related trauma. Around the same time, somebody came to visit me who was a climate scientist, and he then described what we now understand to be climate anxiety. He was finding it overwhelming to continue the work that he was doing. He knew it was important, but he was struggling to make it into the office. Oh my God, you're suffering! It's overwhelming! <sighs> I wonder if we could use this to make people do shots. I wonder if we could use it in election integrity. Could we harness the fear of losing one's nation? Could we actually 
do enough manipulation in the system to make everybody feel it's just overwhelming. I can't do this anymore. I give up. Uh, it was affecting his sleep, it was affecting his social life and his ability to thrive and enjoy the life he was having. He's then gone on, gone on to do incredible things. Again, not despite eco-anxiety or by overcoming eco-anxiety, by, by, by working, away, working out a way of moving alongside it. So this then kind of put me to work. And it made me think at that time, we don't have models of understanding as psychologists that enable us to work out how to support people that have this new thing called eco-anxiety. And I also, as a deeply, uh, as someone who's always been passionate about uh, environmentalism and environmental causes, this felt like a real motivator for me. Something else then amazing happened, fast forward a little bit of time in 2019, where really the climate crisis in that year hit the mainstream. It was, and, and at the same time, in fact, the Oxford English Dictionary word of the year in 2019 was climate emergency. And all the words that were in the shortlist that year were related to the climate crisis. And oh my God, 2019. You're right. We started ramping up in the media about environment and climate crisis. They said we've got to do the, grand, the Green New Deal. Oh, my God, it was everywhere. Even, even the graphics on the Weather Channel and meteorology, it all changed. Oh, my God, you're right. And the Oxford Dictionary put in all these new definitions. And schools started, wow, how did they all know at the same time to do this? I know is because they're all so smart. Or we're also controlled. Moreover, our emotional response to the climate crisis. What was happening then, and then in 2019, we started seeing eco-anxiety coming up in books, on TV, in movies. Uh, we were being asked to speak about it publicly. What happened was the climate crisis and our emotional responses to the climate crisis. Wait a minute. You mean it's in school books? And we started seeing it on commercials. And we started, we started seeing it in movies. And now you have a new profession. And you've discovered a new disease. Thank God you're here to save us. Thank God you all of you guys knew to do it in commercials, in movies, in textbooks. Because we wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have known. Oh, God bless you, folks. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you for, for saving us. And, and now we need to take care of our minds. No, you need to take that crap and poop it right out your cranium. That's what I do for you. Hang tight. Coming up the last segment. A lot more coming. Be right back. The last segment of the program is coming up next. And if you haven't shared cut the crap with your friends in social media, now is the time to do it. Poll watching for voter suppression? That's so 60 years ago, but hey, groovy man. Or you can choose to open your eyes. 
We've been fighting the same voting rights and integrity crap for over 60 years. The only thing that has changed is now they totally control our elections and technology makes it easier for them. We've been taught to spend our time looking here when we really should be looking here and here and here. Watching for voter intimidation? Watch what happened at polling places? Yeah, right. Would you even know an election hack if you saw one? We all know the government tactic of, hey, look over here, folks, when the deception really takes place over here. The GOP brags about 80,000 poll watchers. Again, groovy, man. But so 60 years ago, the problem is we have 175,141 voting precincts. That's an average of one single poll watcher, not even at half of the places people can vote. Not too groovy, is it? Change with the time, folks. Time for a technology and knowledge base upgrade. Quit falling for falling short. Stand up, stand out, and become an election integrity expert. Your county, not country, your county needs you. You have to upgrade to stay ahead. While you're busy challenging an individual voter, the system is stealing and compromising every vote. Remember this quote? I did not see evidence of fraud that would have affected the outcome uh, of the election. Yeah, because you keep looking for that one-off bad voter. Or you can save your country and take on the whole corrupt system. Become an election integrity expert. It is everything the system, the deep state, and the uniparty does not want you to know. America is burning down right before our eyes. Grab a fire axe and join the firefight. Fireaxe.academy is an audio and visual-based online training program which will transform you into a real election integrity experts. Learn hundreds of ways our elections are rigged, broken, undermined, and stolen right under our noses. But you can't fix what you have no ideas broken. Being blind and ignorant is exactly what the system wants. Fight the system. Break the system. Become a fire axe and cut through the crap. Or, if we keep pulling ourselves looking here, then there is no way we can stop ourselves from arriving here. You don't need a 60-year-old black and white TV set to see clearly in black and white how our elections are rigged and stolen. Join the fight to save America. Sign up for FireAxe.Academy today. Time is running out. FireAxe.Academy. Let's get back to Jovan and his final words for this week's program. The reason I'm playing for you this speech from the, I think it's the 2020 Paris Conference on Climate or whatever, the the reason I'm playing it for you is even though these are the same people that will bash commerce and capitalism, what are they engaging in? Uh, yeah, commerce and capitalism. You follow me? It drives everything. It even drives those who have excessive feelings crisis entered into what we call the Overton window, the acceptable window of public discourse. What that meant was there was what was previously considered to be radical and unthinkable all of a sudden became common parlance and in the minds of the public. And then now, since then. The Overton window 
wait, you mean there's a psychology about this? The over 10 window. It's when uh, people hear it enough, say it enough uh, that all of a sudden the people believe it. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, you mean when you can get enough people to accept it and you can get enough people to do it and it becomes acceptable, then the government can take over and can start doing policies on it. And then the government can say they're helping you, but yet the government actually controls everything. Is that the Overton window? And what's been starting to happen is it's been influencing governmental policy and organizational behavior. So do not for a second underestimate the power of talking about climate change. And as we all are here this morning, talking about the emotional impacts of climate change and how it makes us feel, because what we're all- Wait a minute. The power really comes from talking about things? Do you mean the actual antidote to this crap is talking? Do you think that's why they shame us? Do you think that's why they want to shut down social media? Do they think that's why they say you're a climate denier? No, I'm not. I swear I'm not. I'm not. You're trans. You're trans folk. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You're trans folk. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Then I want you to perform fellatio on that dude. Uh, but he has a vagina. Oh, but that doesn't matter. So you're transphobic. You see how it works? It's all a con job. It's all a con job. It's all driven by media. I've always told you about the unholy trinity between government, media, and academia. But in reality, it's also the truth. When you watch the lies, you learn the truth. They, too, need people to talk about it. That means you are the army you've been waiting for. That means you are the cure you've been waiting for. That means when you take action, you can counteract their actions. And that's exactly what they do to us. What we're doing is we're creating a strong social mandate to see the changes that we want to see in, at government level and in corporations. So what is it about climate change? It's a bit of a mind fuddle for many reasons we know that did he just admit it's a bit of a mind fuddle a mind fuddle i wonder if i can use that a mind fuddle. we engage with the climate crisis it activates all kinds of psychological very normal human psychological defenses oh wait a minute if we pump this up it activates human defenses and they start acting emotionally, and if I could get them emotionally, I can get them to act? Is that what you're saying, Doc? We might, it, it can inspire denial, distancing. We can over-intellectualize. But it's also unique, the climate crisis, from a psychological perspective as well. I'm often asked, well, isn't eco-anxiety a bit like another existential crisis you might have experienced, like nuclear anxiety around the time of the Cold War, and more recently with the war in Ukraine? Oh, you mean when we could get little kids to crawl under their desk and even though a nuke vaporizes everything in its past, we could keep people fearful about it by crawling under their desk so we'd appropriate money for it. Even at the same time, they know if a nuke went off, they would be welded to the desk. Is that what you mean? How we do it? Is that how all this works? 
Good question. There are definitely overlaps, but I would argue what makes eco-anxiety distinct from that is the, the response that's required by all of us. When we're talking about the climate crisis, what we're saying is actually our response needs to be active and sustained. It affects the daily decisions we make. It affects how we run our businesses. It affects how we spend our money, how we vote. Oh, it affects how we spend our money? It affects how we vote? It, it, it actually forms, well, the mechanisms by which it's doing, but, but you know, there's always holdouts. What about these holdouts, these deniers? Well, behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, gonna, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. Oh, so if they don't drink the Kool-Aid and they don't adopt this as a new religion, and they don't believe the media, and they don't believe academia, and they think the government's bad, the last thing you do well, is... behaviors are going to have to change, and this is one thing we're, going to, we're asking companies. Uh, you have to force behaviors, and at BlackRock, we are forcing behaviors. So what's required of all of us in terms of our psychological response to the climate crisis, I would say, is unique. So the, the American Psychological Association defined climate anxiety as a, as a um, chronic fear of environmental doom. But actually, we know that it's much more than that. And something else I want to say is that we are not here, and I know the panel agrees with me on this, we are not here to pathologize in any way our emotional responses to climate change. Eco-anxiety is a rational response to the existential crisis that we're all facing. But Existential crisis? You mean the climate is as bad as racism and conservatism? It's existentially existential collectivist existentialists to all of us? You mean you're not going patholo to pathologize it? You mean you're not going to turn it into a disease? You're not going to turn it into a diagnosis? Yeah, doctor. How does that work? when you run the climate psychologist and you don't want to turn it into a pathology, you don't want to really say it's medical, but in fact, you're here saying it's medical. Hey, doctor. Hey, system. Cut the crap. We're tired of it. I'm done with my radio program. Listen to their words. Listen to their words. I got a few more minutes. Let me play the rest of this guy stuff. I won't. I won't uh, interrupt. Maybe I'll pantomime it in the background. But when you learn the value of words and listening to the words, and you learn the mechanisms, which I've been trying to teach you, the mechanisms, and you understand the mechanisms, and you understand the 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 key words, and you understand the psychology, then you understand it's all a fucking con job. I'm off the radio. All a con job. Let's just watch the last little bit. But it can be debilitating. It can lead to panic, sleeplessness, and it can ultimately lead to inaction, which creates a problem, of course, for all of those that want to be engaged in sustainability. We know that in the USA, 69% of people now worry about climate change. In an incredibly important study that Brit was a part of last year, we know that now three-quarters of young people describe the future of the world as frightening, and that number rises to 81% in Portugal, 93% in the Philippines. 
Why those countries? Because they're at the forefront of a changing climate. So what we can also say is, unfortunately, as these weather events increase, so too will rates of climate anxiety. It's also linked, climate anxiety has also been shown in that study, it's linked to government inaction. So what we can also start to say is we need to start thinking of, of eco-anxiety in a whole systems context. It's deeply rooted in climate justice and intersectional environmentalism and not an individual pathology. We also know that eco-anxiety is a powerful motivator for change. I've heard people say countless times a little eco-anxiety can be a good thing. And we were, when we first started, we always used to say, we could the, same cure for, the, the cure for climate change is the same as the cure for climate anxiety. It's about taking climate action. And that still holds true, but we've had to be more nuanced about it in the intervening years. And so now what we say is, it's about sustainable climate action. Action that's sustainable for the planet, but also sustainable for you. So what does a sustainable climate action look like? Well, we like to think of it in these three areas. So, and I want all of you to be thinking about how this translates to you and your lives and your work. How can I have the greatest impact? But also, what skill set do I already have? It's okay to make it easy, follow the path of least resistance. What am I already doing? What strengths do I bring to this? And also, how can I locate this in my values? What gives me meaning? When climatologist Michael Mann reviewed our latest book, he said, when it comes to climate action, the obstacles we face are no longer technological, they're primarily political and psychological in nature. This was a humbling moment for me, but one that really solidified my sense of impact that I can be having as a psychologist in this space. And I'd say the same for Brit in science communication, same for Clover in terms of activism, same for Megan in terms of coaching. As psychologists, we want to make ourselves unemployed. It's a terrible business model we have as psychologists. We want to make ourselves unnecessary to people and communities. The last thing we want is everybody seeking therapy for climate anxiety. Don't get me wrong, I'm a big proponent of therapy. But what we want instead is to support and build an infrastructure for people, businesses and governments where climate awareness and climate education is as well deeply rooted in climate emotions and psychological thinking. So what gives me meaning? This, my daughter, Megan's daughter, drew this about two weeks ago. It's not of me, I should say, this is Megan. Uh, this gives me meaning. I'm doing this for her. I want her to grow up to feel inspired. I want her to feel motivated. I want her to feel climate aware. I want her to be able to connect with the millions of people around the world who are fighting for climate justice. This, for me, is my sense of meaning. So ask yourself, what corner of the climate crisis am I involved in? Where can I have impact? Where can I, have, where can I find my meaning? But also allow for your emotions to breathe. Connect with people, connect with the planet, and use the power of your emotions to drive positive change. Thank you so much. There you go. I, I, I could think of no better way to help you understand this subject than to deliver it this way and divide it up for you. Let me, let me give you a little bit of something after dinner to rinse this nastiness out. Here you go. You've all heard the news. 
Climate change is destroying your future. Carbon dioxide is accumulating in the atmosphere. Global warming is killing the Great Barrier Reef. But there's more to this story. Over the last decade, total global emissions declined. Deaths from natural disasters have diminished to a few hundred a year in the United States, even as the global population quadrupled over the last century, they've declined internationally by over 90%. The Great Barrier Reef recorded the highest amount of coral in 36 years, and maybe longer because that's the amount of time that we've been studying and measuring. How come nobody is saying that? Why do you think nobody's saying that? Well, it's the same as election integrity. We don't live in a world where truth matters or truth is valued. We live in a world where they're trying to push us into, yeah, a new ecosystem, their new ecosystem, and this is how it works. This is how it works. Truth will always set you free, but the one thing about truth is it needs people to stand up. It needs people to talk. It needs people to show up. They are literally telling you that the very thing that trees feed on, that plants feed on, is going to kill us. That's kind of like saying the trees are going to kill you. In fact, in most major nurseries, to accelerate growth, to make growth faster, what do they do? Well, they buy these little devices that supplement and magnify five, six, seven, eight times over the carbon dioxide. Why? Because the plants suck the hell out of it and they grow faster and better. But wait, I thought you said everything was dying because of it. Yeah, your logic, your common sense, and your free spirit and your liberty is dying because of it. Anyway, folks, I'm headed over to Locals Join me. Let's talk a little bit more. I love you all. Thank you. I hope you learned today. Share this. We've got all the right in the world on our side. And there ain't no reason to be afraid. And there ain't no reason to not take the challenge dead on. Because I'm going to tell you who we come from, folks. We don't come from some weak, jellyback, spineless people. That's not who we come from. None of us. And it doesn't matter what color you are what nation your folks hail from, how much money you got. We all share the same name. We are Americans. And at Bunker Hill, there was Americans. And at Fredericksburg and Gettysburg, there was Americans. And at Iwo Jima, raising that flag on Sarabachi, it was Americans. And at Porkchop Hill, there was Americans. Quezon, there was Americans. And on 9-11, there was Americans who ran towards those burning buildings. That is who you share your heritage with. You do not share your heritage with a weak and ineffective people who cower at the side of trouble. You share your heritage with a strong and brave people who are determined to hold on to their freedom and for the freedom of future generations. Guys, it's time for us to stand up and be that generation. It's time for us to stand strong and proud and remember who we are that we are Americans. And as long as we stand as the vanguard of freedom in this nation, freedom will survive. 
Knowing survival is black. So guys, it's time to put on a packs. It's time to fix those bayonets. It's time to get ready. We got a fight on our hands. And our fight is not for us. For all those generations that's going to come behind us. Let's save America, folks. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Cut the crap. How many times a day do you want to say that to politicians, the elite, the loony liberals, the fake news media, and the gender-confused, emotional, socialist, snowflake crowd? Cut the crap is your secret weapon for fighting for our freedoms and our great republic. It all begins with a massive mental enema, freeing you from the toxic... Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut the crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system to cut the crap. Cut the crap's not just a radio program, it's a movement. The right kind of movement, which breaks free the conservative constipation and reminds you that you are the majority. And we're just not going to take it anymore. Make sure you're following Joe Von Hunt and Pulitzer on all social media. See you next week, and between now and then, take a stand and tell them all to cut the crap. 260 million of you shop here weekly. And did you know you spend about $1,400 each year? Two and a half million of you shop here daily, and you give them $1,000 each year. Combined, that's a half a trillion dollars annually. And you think it's the American way to shop? think again. Your hard-earned money is being funneled to bad organizations. The consumable products you buy, well, they're washing America down the drain. Think about where you spend your money. Folks, we have to save America from socialism. We need to make the woke go broke. First things first, and that's America first. You need to follow the money. You need to follow your money and make the woke go broke. So I will show you how to save America from socialism. Go to makewokegobroke.click. Yes, dot click. Makewokegobroke.click. Makewokegobroke.click and do it now. Joe Vaughn, HuttonPulitzer.locals.com is the only place a true patriot can stay informed, free of charge, without censorship. Over 18.5 million plays, it's Joe Vaughn, Hutton Pulitzer. It's absolutely a government triangulation. They are literally putting Mike Lindell in the crosshairs. They get to choose 250 ballots of their choosing. Now you have the facts and the information to educate them and to open their eyes to what's really happened. Even I had no idea how dirty they play this game of censorship until I lost my social media. If you consider yourself to be a true patriot, it would be a crime not to visit JovanHuttonPulitzer.locals.com today. I guarantee you, you will absolutely be the smartest patriot in the room.
fine. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear. Dog whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. 260 million of you shop here weekly. And did you know you spend about $1,400 each year? Two and a half million of you shop here daily, and you give them $1,000 each year. Combined, that's a half a trillion dollars annually. And you think it's the American way to shop? Think again. Your hard-earned money is being funneled to bad organizations. The consumable products you buy, well, they're washing America down the drain. Think about where you spend your money. Folks, we have to save America from socialism. We need to make the woke go broke. First things first, and that's America first. You need to follow the money. You need to follow your money and make the woke go broke. So I will show you how to save America from socialism. Go to makewokegobroke.click. Yes, dot click. Makewokegobroke.click. Makewokegobroke.click and do it now.